Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Joining me is my co-host, a fellow H-Town sports junkie and veteran journalist Stephen Kerr, 65 plus years in journalism between the two of us. Last week, we looked at five potential Texan free agent wide receiver targets. And this one, we look at five running back targets. And Stephen, this is where they're more likely to grab a bigger name with the position value so low around the league. Well, that's right. I mean, there are some big names. You know, it's not very deep, certainly not like the wide receivers were that we talked about last week, Robert. But uh, there are some names out there that if the Texans are willing to step up and pay a little bit, you know, and then if you can draft a, a good running back in the middle rounds, the, the draft is fairly deep with that. So, yeah, this is a position that it obviously needs to happen, Robert. The running game needs to improve if the Texans are going to take that next step. It's also considered a poor draft for running backs, so the free agent route may be the one that makes the most sense. And Stephen, I've heard suggested they should deal Damian Pierce for a day three draft pick because he doesn't fit the, you know, the zone scheme. But keep in mind, he's locked in for about a million dollars each of the next two years, which is peanuts, you know, usually for NFL players. Nothing would surprise me, considering though that Ogunbowale got snaps over him in that Ravens playoff game. Yeah, that's what kind of makes you wonder, Robert. And that thought crossed my mind too. It's like, I wonder if the Texans are thinking of dealing Pierce. I know he fell off quite a bit, but it's not like, you know, this is an entirely new system. Look, Damian Pierce is not what you call a speed runner. He's more of the power guy. And it's awfully hard to, you know, suddenly adjust to, you know, and try to develop being a speed runner as opposed to the power back you are. But it does make you wonder. And and if the Texans do make a big splash in free agency with a, a big running back, then, uh, you know, Pierce, he could still be there, but then again, he could be expendable more so than he was before. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily speed or power because the first guy that I'm going to bring up, my number one running back on my list is a guy that could handle the zone scheme, is an incredible zone scheme guy, and he's got some power. His name is Derek Henry. Maybe he's not the number one running back on your board, Stephen, but Henry makes sense for me. He's a good value with Spotrek estimating only – and I, I don't know if they call it, I keep saying Spotrack. I think it's like spot rack. I don't know. Spot, but however, yeah, I don't know what they call it now. However you pronounce <laughs> it, it's, it's, you guys know what I'm talking about, but they estimate he's only going to be about a $4 million a year deal next year. He's 30 years old. So, you know, he's a veteran guy, but despite a terrible O-line, a rookie quarterback, his yards per carry was at 4.2, pretty equivalent yeah. to his previous two seasons. He also gives the Texans something, Stephen, they desperately need somebody who's great in short yardage. Boy, do they ever need it, you know, with, with his bulk, you know, to get those kind of yards. And here's something else about Derrick Henry, Robert. He had 12 rushing touchdowns. Guess how many fumbles he had? Zero. Oh, oh yeah. He, Zero. He, he, he holds on to the ball. So that is, you know, he, he, of course, in 2022, he was the rushing leader with 1,653 yards. He was first in scrimmage yards and, you know, rushing first downs. That's another key too. Rushing first downs, he had 93 that was in 22. I don't know what the stats here for 23 in that regard are. But yeah, he's an intriguing guy. I mean, he is older. I, I kind of put him down my list a little bit, but he certainly does fit all the characteristics the Texans are looking for, especially in Bobby Slowick's offensive scheme. And he doesn't have to face the Texans defense. So that's another benefit of him being here. <laughs> well, and and you talk about offensive, poor offensive lines. Well, he's certainly familiar with that because, you know, he you know the Texans are going to try to shore up their offensive line, sure. But at least it'd be nothing new for him if that's indeed what's going to happen. And something else that's pretty impressive uh, with him too, Robert, is total yards after contact. You know, usually averages over about two yards with that. So yeah, there are a lot of things to like about Derrick Henry. 
Yeah, and I say he didn't have to face the Texans defense because this year they they just shut him down. Yeah, they, they certainly were, did. You know, they're they one of the few teams that actually did that. Now, I skipped a couple of big names, Stephen, at number two for me. Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler. Both had bad years. I know those teams struggled, but both will be a few million. Both of those players will be a few million dollars more expensive than somebody like Derrick Henry, which scared me with, you know, Eckler and his injuries, and he's 29 years old, and Josh Jacobs uh, just, you know, having a bad year with the Raiders. Did you have either of those guys on your list? I didn't have him at the, I had him, you know, a little further down. Yeah. And the, the thing with Josh Jacobs, he had 805 yards rushing is, is uh, yards per carry 3.5, six rushing touchdowns, three fumbles. And then you go to Austin Eckler. He had 632 yards on 179 carries. His yards per carry was the same 3.5. He had five rushing TDs, Robert. He had the same number of rushing touchdowns as he did fumbles. He had five fumbles. So that's a big concern with him too. I went to Saquon Barkley next because even though he averaged 3.9 yards per carry, the Giants had to roll with a ton of Tommy DeVito and Paris Campbell at quarterback. I'd be interested Oop. to see. Exactly. <laughs> I'd be interested to see what he could do with a real good quarterback. Track estimates $10 million a year. He's going to be a high-priced guy among the running backs. Steven, I'm skeptical. This is a Casario signing. I bring him up, though, because I'm a sucker for all of these articles calling the Texans a potential landing spot for him. Yeah, I've seen that, too. And I didn't have him at the top of my list either, Robert. He did have 962 yards last year, uh, six rushing touchdowns. But, and, you know, he did bounce back the last couple of seasons. He bounced back from injuries. You know, his rookie season was pretty good, too. But then he had injuries the next two or three years. He's come back the last two years and, and done pretty well. But, yeah, I, I just don't know. He there's one thing I would say he's good in the receiving route. He's a good route runner and has good hands. So that's something else to take a look at. I just don't know if the Texans are, you know, I don't know if they should spend that kind of money on him. Barkley's a different type of runner than Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, you know, pretty much no matter what, he's going to give you a couple of yards. He doesn't take a lot of minus carries. Barkley right. more likely to do that, but Barkley's going to have maybe the ability to have more of the explosive play considering where Derrick Henry is and his age and, you know, the kind of back he's become now. Yeah, that that's certainly a big consideration as well. So, I, I mean, I just I looked at uh, Saquon and I just, I, I kept wanting to put him on the list, but something just kept telling me not to, at least not at the very top of the list. He's on my list, but not up there. The next guy I had was Tony Pollard. He yeah, little, I did too. A little cheaper than Barkley. Now his numbers went down slightly with his carries going up this year. You know, he had more of a workload. He was a primary back for the Cowboys for the first time. He averaged close to five yards prior to this past year, dropping down to four yards this season. But Steven, he'll be 27 years old and he really doesn't have a lot of wear and tear. No, he doesn't. And the thing about the yards per carry is you get more carries. It, it's going to you know wear you down a little bit more. And of course, the, the average is going to catch up with you a little bit. Yeah, he had uh, six rushing touchdowns. And as you said, he was the featured back. And I, I actually had him here on this list too, Robert. I mean, I think it could be somebody that might be a little cheaper to get and could actually be a guy that could help the Texans. All right, here's another guy that, Maybe you haven't heard a ton about him, but the Eagles, DeAndre Swift, just 25 years old, yeah, averaged 4.6 yards over his four-year career, which is incredible. Uh, that's with Detroit and Philly. Not much wear and tear either. He could be a longer-term contract with money similar to Pollard's uh, number per year. We'll see. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder why he's not further up on the list because there are a lot of things to uh, to like about DeAndre Swift. And that, that might be something, you know, maybe the, if the Texans are in that range, he might be somebody they could go grab. Could be a steal for him. 
Yeah, here's another guy that just makes sense to me based on what we know about Casario, because next guy on my list is the Colts, Zach Moss. And I bring him up because he's sort of a Devin Singletary type, 5'9", 200 pounds. Is he more a secondary option? Probably, but he could be a Singletary type value. And he's just like a $4.6 million per year guy, according to Spotrack. Yeah, he is similar. And that kind of, you know, I also started thinking, well, are they going to be aggressive enough to want to bring Devin Singletary back since he's familiar with the system and he knows it, but Zach Moss, you know, it might be another guy that they could look at. He's much further down on my list though. Yeah. The question is, you know, if Singletary doesn't come back, maybe that's somebody that Moss would replace, but maybe both guys. I mean, if you got two guys that are sort of similar, so it's real easy to flip back and forth. One guy plays a little bit, one guy, and you're not changing up total styles, but was there anybody that I missed on, on, on your list. That That's my five. No, that, that you pretty much had everyone I had. I mean, I had them in different orders. I mean, there's some other names. Ezekiel Elliott's another one that's thrown out there. I don't think he'd be a good fit for the Texans at all. So yeah, those are the backs that, that I pretty much had on my list, just a different order. But, you know, you bring up an intriguing point about Swift and Singletary, both you know being on the same squad. I mean, I don't, that, that's probably kind of a dream scenario, but you know what? If that happens, Robert, I definitely think that Damian Pierce would be gone if, if that happened. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I I just don't know because Pierce is probably as cheap or maybe he's a little bit more expensive than just some guy like a Ogunbowale or whatever. So you might as well just keep him around from that perspective. And I mean, he's he's locked in at least. Yeah, and he's also been, you know, they've had him on the return uh, toward the end of the season and he showed some really good flashes there. So that might be something you could, you could think about too. Yeah, I'll have a much better idea. I feel like what D'Amico is looking for and what Bobby Slowick is looking for with this, you know, running back. And, you know, after we saw that they picked up Singletary and you, you'll get a better idea, Stephen, I think what kind of backs that they like. Well, the thing that I really liked about Singletary, you know, aside from his, you know, they called him motor because he can definitely motor up there, but, but his receiving, his pass catching, it was good too in, in spots, you know, especially as the season went on. So yeah, they, I think they want backs coming out of the backfield as well as just running from the line. The big news for this week is we're going to find out some awards here by Thursday. That should be kind of fun to see what awards that some of the Texans players and D'Amico and those guys all maybe pick something up. We're also going to find out something pretty huge, uh, Stephen. Andre Johnson, the Hall of Fame voting comes out on Thursday. That should be fun. Yeah, I'm certainly hoping third time's the charm for Andre. If anybody deserves to be in. I, mean, I don't know if he was going to get in on his first try, but he sure, I, I certainly think he should have gotten in on his second try. If he doesn't get in on his third try, Robert, we may have to start putting him in the same sentence with Billy Wagner. I mean, when is this guy going to get in the Hall of Fame, for goodness sake? I felt pretty good about Andre Johnson until Billy Wagner happened. Yeah, it's that you you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I could I could even give my take on Billy Wagner. I know you would kind of run that into the ground, but uh, yeah, that but that's what I would compare it to. If he doesn't get in after three times, you know, we've talked about how many different quarterbacks he's played against, just a lot of his stats line up. So let's hope Andre Johnson is not going to become the other Houston guy that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame and is still not in there. Also, look for an Andre Johnson tribute. I have prepared an Andre Johnson tribute because I think he's going to get in. But either way, I think I'm just going to throw it up there on Thursday and let everybody take a look. We've talked to so many people over the years about Andre. So you're going to hear from several players that I've interviewed about Andre, guys that have played with him. And we also have a couple of media broadcasters, print people. So it's 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 not a long thing, but there's going to be some fun stories if you somehow missed them in our show. And we've been around for 10 years, and I know there's stuff that you guys missed, but 
Uh, just something to look forward to, Stephen. Just throw that out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you talk about a guy who was kind of kicked to the curb the way Andre Johnson was. And yet, you know, he just he maintains that level of class that you like to see in an athlete. And he, he's actually come back and helped the Texans in some capacities, you know. And so he still remains with the team, at least, you know, he still remains close to them. So that's another thing, too, that I've always liked him, not just for his athletic ability, but his personality. I should add in that tribute that we've got about to come up, it's going to have when Sean and I talked about it last year, what Andre's credentials were. And we get into, you know, our, 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 our we, we, we show you the numbers. Let's put it. Yeah. Way. I remember that. I remember that podcast. All right. So uh, that's good stuff. Um, by the way, do you guys agree with me and Steven, as far as the running back free agent targets, did we miss somebody? What do you think? Let us know in the comments, make sure to subscribe. If you missed it, Astro's iconic voice, Bill Brown joined me Monday. We talked about his new book, the 22 championship, Altuve, Jose Lima, Billy Wagner, Charlie Kerfeld, Ken Caminetti, Larry Anderson, oh, just a ton of stuff, Man. a lot about the Astros better characters. And Stephen, I, I'm bringing this up because I'm getting, a, I'm getting a little perturbed that when we put up Astros content, nobody watches. I mean, I get that the Texans and the Rockets are the fun team right now, but hey, weren't the Astros pretty good uh, the last few years? I don't well, know. I think, didn't they win a World Series in 2022, Robert? I, I think they did. And in 2017, and you know they almost got there in 2023. So yeah, come on, and and guess what? Pitchers and catchers report next week. It's almost here. I mean, yeah, we've got the Super Bowl coming up. I know everybody's still in football mode, and you know a lot of rockets. But come on, Astros fans, show us some love. We need your views too here on this podcast. And you're talking about Bill Brown. I like we we like to call him Brownie. It's what a great guy. I actually, I actually interviewed Bill a few months ago for a story that I was working on for a pickleball site. Uh, cause Bill Bowen does play some pickleball. I found out. So I immediately called him. We had a really nice chat. Yeah. We did talk some baseball, not just pickleball, but I also, Bill has another book called uh, baseball's bizarre season where he covers a lot of things that happened in the 1964 season, not just the Astros, but baseball in general. That's a pretty interesting book. I just downloaded it the other day. So Brownie, if you're listening, I downloaded that book and I need to go back and download the 22 uh, world series, or yeah, the 22 world series book. I haven't done that yet. So yeah, definitely catch that interview with Bill Brown. Yeah, we talk about baseball's bizarre season and he gets into what what all that's about. So you're going to want to check it out for that. But there's a, trust me, you get past the first few minutes. If you don't find that stuff interesting, definitely keep listening because we've got a lot of stuff about the Astros. Well, we're breaking into our own show because right after we finished recording this one, the news broke about Altuve's five-year, $125 million extension. We wanted to react a little bit to that. I'm sure you wanted some reaction if you're a regular with us. And Dana Brown called him. Stephen, the heartbeat of the organization. What was your reaction and what are the repercussions? Well, first of all, how many times has this happened over the last 10 years, Robert, where you finish doing a show and then five minutes later, something goes out on X or you get a you get a notice that something big has happened. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it, it seems to be the Houston sports talk curse. But anyway, well, when I found out, obviously I wasn't really surprised at all. Jose Altuve, you, you had to lock him up, Robert. There are just... There are some players, and, you know, despite the fact that they had their one World Series attempt and weren't all that successful at it, meaning Craig Biggio and Jeff Bagwell, they were lifetime Astros. There are just certain guys that you need to lock up and make sure that they are lifetime Astros. Jose Altuve is one of those guys. Now, I, I understand, you know, Alex Bregman, he's coming up for renewal. Uh, Kyle Tucker's coming up for renewal. Framber Valdez, his contract's going to be coming up at some point. And you may not be able to keep all these guys, okay? Let's just be realistic. You may not be able to keep them all. So 
locking up Altuve certainly could affect that. And, you know, Jim Crane kind of dodged the question because, of course, he was asked that. And he said basically that he's going to take it case by case. You know, everybody's different and we'll see what happens. So he gave the vague answer. But the truth of the matter is, Robert, even if the Astros can't keep most of those guys, I, I think they could certainly could at least keep one of those three. You had to lock Altuve up. He was the one I gathered they would lock up because, you know, you figured he wasn't going to be a super long-term contract. Of course, he is the face of the franchise, the face of this entire incredible dynastic run. And yeah, that was the guy that was the logical. I, I, I thought maybe it would be a hair cheaper than it was. However, I mean, it's Altuve, so maybe there's an exception. I, maybe in Jim Crane's mind, he doesn't even associate this as part of his other salary cap. This, this is the cost of Altuve, I guess you would call it. But, you know, the last couple of years of that, you could see him falling off. You know, he may fall off before that if you get unlucky because it's at somewhere around age 38, 39, 40. And, you know, this, these guys typically just don't keep hitting like that. But $25 million a year, I mean, it could be worse. And, you know, you're out of it in five years. Well, and that is probably the criticism, you know, that some people feel, you know, are you going to get a five-year contract to a guy who's basically approaching the backside of his career? But again, he has the face of the franchise, his leadership in the locker room, and, you know, just having him defensively at second base. That's a big deal, especially if you get to the postseason. That's a big deal. So I just think it's one of those things. And listen, like you said, it's a lot cheaper than trying to go out and get somebody else or pay what, you know, Alex Bregman is probably going to command, Kyle Tucker. Those guys are going to command a lot more. So it, it was basically the lesser of things, and that's what the Astros did. The new mayor proclaimed Wednesday, Jose Altuve Day. Altuve said at his press conference, quote, when people say it's your last year, you kind of think about it. But my wife and I have a lot of conversations. The best case scenario was always here. I come back every day after a night game and see my daughter sleeping and get up the next day and take them to school. He is tied to this place, Stephen. You knew he wanted to come back here. But the biggest part of this whole situation is, you know, he's Jose Altuve. I, I couldn't even have imagined him in another uniform. It would have just made my skin crawl. Well, you know, <clears throat> when you look at, when you think about over the years, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, he went in another uniform. Earl Campbell, he played in another uniform after that. <laughs> you know, the list could go on. I think Moses Malone did too. So many. And yet there are just some guys that, oh, I just, it would be worse than other guys. And Ho um, Jose Altuve is certainly one of them. Yeah. Jeff Bagwell, you, you just hope he doesn't come to Jose Altuve is playing with one shoulder and, and Biggio <laughs> wasn't the same those last couple of years because, you know, Drayton was dead set and keeping him around and, yeah. you know, his OPS had slipped into the mid 600s or something like that. So, you know, you just hope it doesn't come to that with Jose Altuve. But at the same time, you know, that's the cost of, you know, you might have to pay a little bit for those last two years to keep him for the next, you know, three or four. And hopefully he can still give you that kind of production. Yeah. And it's just essentially it's the cost of doing business and, and that's the chance you take. But yeah, it was obvious Jose Altuve wanted to stay here. And that makes a big difference. Uh, you know, maybe he could have gotten a little more money, but I don't think he would have gotten that much more. But I think that the, really the kicker, at least from, from his side, is that he wanted to stay in Houston. And, uh, you know, when you have that desire, then you hope that everything else will fall into place and it'll be worth it in the long run. He's less than 1,000 hits from 3,000. So hopefully you see Altuve get his 3,000th right here in Houston too. Absolutely. Oh, wouldn't we love to see that? Scott Boris at the press conference said he talked with Dana Brown about Alex Bregman contract extensions. He said there's no timetable and said Alex is willing to listen to whatever the Astros have to say, Stephen. Well, he may be, but I still think, you know, deep down, he's young enough that 
He wants to get everything he can. And naturally, they're going to say that sort of thing at this point. But, uh, you know, what, what will happen at the end of the season, if, if not before then, it just remains to be seen. The other news breaking is Mauricio Dubon is now going to stay in Astros. I mean, that's not a surprise, but they, 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 they did the arbitration and settled that thing finally. Well, yeah. And the thing with that is that, you know, the, either the Astros were going to get their way or Mauricio Dubon was going to get his way. He was going to remain either way. What was it? 3.5 million. And the Astros counted with 3 million or something like that. It, you know, they were only $500,000 apart, which I know it sounds like a lot, but you kind of wonder why it even got to this point. I guess from the Astros standpoint, it's, it's not like he's a key starter. You know, he's a backup. Yeah, he can play multiple positions. But there are other guys around that you can find, usually, who can at least fit that role to some degree. And he did have a great year last year. Now, can he repeat that? Well, maybe the Astros weren't quite sure of it. But either way, he's going to get the chance to find out, at least with the Astros this year. Yeah, these arbitration cases, I mean, we, we try to make a big deal out of it. But, you know, the, the numbers that they give, they're arguing over a few hundred thousand or when the numbers get a little bit bigger, it's a million here or there. And you say, well, why are they arguing over this? I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, baseball, they're, they're, the dollars are just that tight with, you know, one guy wants his, what he thinks he deserves. Somebody else gets what they wants to get what they think they deserve. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's always like this. I, I don't really pay much attention to it anymore because, I mean, this is the way it's got to be. Well, it doesn't affect us as, you know, media members or fans. But, you know, when you talk to players who've been through the process and you hear, how ugly it can sometimes get. And I'm not saying it got that way with the Astros and Mauricio Dubon. I mean, I have no idea. I have no way of knowing. But it, the, the process can be brutal for both clubs and players. I'm sure it's something the players don't want to go through. And frankly, I don't know that the teams want to go through it, but they also kind of have to dig their heels in a little bit and say, yeah, we need to save a little money here. Although it sounds a little contradictory, Robert. You know, when you give out, say, $700 million to Shohei Otani, you know, in contracts like that, that you kind of dig your heels in on, a $500,000 difference, you know, between the Astros and Mauricio Dubon, it'll be kind of hard for the average fan, I think, to digest that. Yeah, I don't think that fans going to digest anything when millionaires and billionaires are arguing over the cost of this or that. So it's just, I, I, yeah, I, that, that I just, I don't know, I tend to ignore, but uh, we'll, we'll uh, continue to talk more Astros the rest of the show, but that was a little breaking segment for you guys. Uh, speaking of the Astros, just this week, Baseball America had their farm system ranked 29th. Do these rankings matter? Well, if you ask Baseball America, they do. And they, they give you all kinds of analytics to show that they do. And, you know, MLB Pipeline, I don't know what their rank is there, but it's not ranked much higher there either. I mean, Robert, I, I you know, everybody has their rankings, their power rankings, or their, you know, list of top 10 prospects or list of top 10 this and that. And I'm not saying that there isn't any validity to it, but my goodness, think of how, you know, the Astros have still been able to win despite having a so-called poor farm system. And yeah, they've made a lot of trades that have kind of emptied it out. But Dana Brown is here, and I think it will be built back up. But just, I mean, it's just amazing what they have been able to do. Seven ALCS appearances in a row, you know, four World Series, couple titles, and yet they still supposedly have one of the worst farm systems in baseball. Yeah, their farm system was sort of considered dead in the water a few years ago. And then up comes Jordan, Fromber, Brian Abreu, uh, yeah, Christian Hunter Hobby. Brown. Hunter, yeah, Hunter Brown. Uh, Yano Diaz. Remember that guy? He's pretty yeah, good. Yeah. JP France. I mean, they just keep pumping him out. Now, I realize some of these guys are not homegrown, and I don't know if that's what they – I don't know if that's what they go by with their rankings or not. I mean, you know, some of them were not homegrown, but it doesn't matter. If they're with the farm system and they come up, then they make a contribution. That should certainly count for something. If you need some health 
care, you might check out the Astros and what they did quietly this week because they picked up a healthy vegetable for your microbiome. They got a cabbage. A cabbage. Trey cabbage, actually. The first and third baseman was dealt for a minor league pitcher. He was a 30-30 guy in AAA Salt Lake last year. That sounds pretty fun, although it's a hitter's park. So take that into consideration. But Steven, he's a lefty that can play first and third, which gives you a different look if you keep him on the roster as a bench guy for Bregman and Abreu. Well, that's right. I was thinking the very same thing, but you know what? He's also played both corner outfield positions. And I know, you know, you've got you know, some pretty solid things there, but let's say somebody goes down, he could probably fit in. Now, the biggest concern I have, Robert, yeah, he is a power guy. And I know the strikeout ratio in baseball is, you know, has gone up in recent years, but and it was a brief appearance that he had in the big leagues last year. He struck out, his strikeout rate was like 46.8% something like that. And his batting average is in the low 200s. Now, again, small sample size. So I, I don't know if he's quite ready, but when you think about the depth that he could provide, you know, Mauricio Dubon is your all-purpose guy, but you need somebody behind him. And, you know, who you got? Gray Kessinger, Jonathan Singleton. I mean, he definitely, he, he could push Singleton out if he has a good spring, just for the simple reason, not only with, with the hitting, but the versatility he offers both in the infield and the outfield. Was Singleton strikeout rate anywhere close to that? I'd have to look, but it was pretty up there. I, I know, at least in the big leagues. Now in the minor leagues, you know, he hit gangbusters in the minor leagues, but how many chances has he had that you bring him up to the major leagues, expecting him to start hitting, and he just doesn't? Other news with the Astros, Stephen. You you got something I think that I, I saw, but you have more info than I even heard about. Let, let us know what that is. Yeah, and it happens to involve Chaz McCormick. Chaz McCormick is no longer a bachelor. Sorry, ladies. Well, I guess he hasn't been for a while. But because he's been dating this girl since 2020. But he got married to his longtime girlfriend. Her name is uh, Courtney Sedensky. They got married last Saturday at the ballroom at the Bin in Philadelphia. Now, of course, Chaz is you know from the Philadelphia area, Robert. If the ballroom at the Bin sounds familiar, well, if you saw the movie Silver Linings Playbook featuring Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence, some scenes were filmed in that ballroom. So how about that? Chaz McCormick got married in the same ballroom that Silver Linings Playbook had some scenes filmed in, Robert. That's pretty cool. And uh, he's been dating, as I mentioned, uh, this uh, Courtney since 2020. They got engaged last year on a beach in Mexico. Man, you can't beat that. Silver Linings Playbook is a really good movie. And it's a sports, you know, we're not too far off base yeah, here. It's a sports exactly. themed movie that, you know, Bradley Cooper plays this huge Eagles fan. And that ballroom, if you watch the movie, I'm sure that's got to be the ballroom that they shot the big dance scene at the end of the uh, entire uh, movie. And also, it's worth noting, you didn't mention this, Stephen, but I heard that Dusty Baker for the wedding present sent Chaz a thousand boxes of tapioca pudding. Is that, <laughs> did I get that right? Yeah, I think you did, Robert. <laughs> and you know how much Chaz appreciated that. You know how much he misses Dusty, right? Yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I had that in my mind. As, that was, maybe it's just me. I just, I, I love it. that up. But yeah, uh, that was, well, congratulations to Chaz McCormick. And he could certainly, he could afford the ballroom at the bin. That's for sure. Anything else? Did we miss anything? I mean, I don't really want to talk about how the Cougs got crushed against. Uh, yeah, I don't want to end on a on a bad note, Robert. So if we're going to talk about the Cougs, we need to find something else to fit at the end. But yeah, that not much to talk about there. They just got spanked. Yeah, they, they got a little bit of good news, though, because Kansas then proceeded to lose to Kansas State on Monday. Yeah, I guess that's good news. And it kind of makes you feel that. So well, why couldn't we have done that? Um, but, you know, look, the, the Cougs are still... You know, they're still in the hunt for the Big 12 title. They're certainly going to go to the NCAA tournament. It's just, you know, the, the shooting is, is inconsistency has been a problem, Robert. I've I talked about it on, you know, podcasts before. So it's just some things that need to come come together. And, you know, the season is still going on. So I, I still think the Cougars are going to be right there. But 
losing to Iowa State, TCU, Kansas. I mean, the road is tough in the Big 12, my friend. And I just thought that Kansas made every single open three-point. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, they just the U of H's defense needed to be better. Kelvin Sampson was not happy, as you would imagine. You can look up the quotes in the postgame. I'm not going to rehash it, but you 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 understand that he was not happy about it. But I'll just point out that, you know, they would play good defense and then they made the extra pass and then they would get an open shot. And you don't usually make every single open shot, but it just seemed like they did. Yeah. And, you know, the Cougars, we, they do have one of the top defenses in the country, but they do have a tendency to play off guys who are shooting threes. I mean, they had that same problem against Iowa State, you know, and a couple other teams. And so, you know, that's something they've definitely got to fix. You know, you got to be on these guys. And I know Kelvin Sampson looks at the analytics. So it's just something they've got to get better at. You can't have those guys jacking up threes just wide open, uh, especially if you have a good three-point shooting team. We haven't mentioned it, Stephen, but the loss of Terrence Arsenault was a big deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely it was. And, you know, and he's going to be out for the year. It seems like, you know, that happens to the Cougars a lot. It happened to Marcus Sasser was out for a long period, Tremon Mark. You know, speaking of Tremon Mark, he's uh, he's whooping up some uh, pig suey in Arkansas. He's doing pretty well there. Yeah, I just feel like his offense could have helped him a little bit because it's it's now basically it feels like it's shed and LJ Cryer are the guys that you're leaning on. And Cryer's just really struggled. He was he was bad most of that Kansas game. He kind of heated up at the end. But by that point, it was almost too late. You're almost too much in a hole and it just wasn't going to be enough. But, you know, you, that's a, that's the thing. I mean, they need Cryer to get it going. I mean, he's the guy that they were depending on. Well, and you talk about not taking open shots. I mean, that's something LJ Cryer has kind of had trouble with for the season. It's almost like he's lost it at some points. You know, he's shown some flashes, but then there are other times you just kind of wonder, is he's just being too tentative in not only putting up shots, but taking the shot when it's available. And, and I'm talking good shots. Do you have a rooting interest in the Super Bowl before we close it out? I do not. Um, I was kind of hoping the Lions would get there since the Texans obviously weren't going to be there. So, no, I, I really don't, Robert. I mean, it's just one of the – I just hope it's a good game. I'm going to watch it just for the the sake of the game. And, of course, you know, we always watch it for the commercials. There are always going to be some good ones there. But as far as who I'm going to cheer for, no, I, I really don't. Not going to root for our old friend Justin Reed, former Texans draft. Well, yeah. there. I mean, there's some, there's some former Texans in there, and I believe – there are at least 10 Houston area high school players between both teams that are in the Super Bowl too, Robert. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't surprise me, but yeah, that's what we do. And remember Clay Kubiak, who is of course, Gary's son right. was, was coaching high school here at Strike Jesuit is now on the 49ers coaching staff. He's not a necessarily key guy, but he's, he's hanging around there and you just never know. He could be somebody that everybody's talking about as a future assistant coach, a guy that moves up the ladder, a la Bobby Slowick. Yeah, that's very true. And I'd forgotten about that, Robert. And I know you were at Strike Jesuit. I think you talked there. Did, did you, uh, were you there at the same time Clay was? No, I wasn't, but I had him on the show. He was a guest. If you go, I remember that. Yeah. go into our YouTube archives, there's a, a great little clip that I left up there. If you go into, well, you can just search Clay Kubiak, or you can just go into the Texans history and see all the clips and interviews that I have from that. But it's in there and, and really interesting. We, we talked about that night that Gary has the heart attack on the sidelines and, and yeah. Clay was there for that. And so, you know, that there was that. And we might have talked to other couple other things, but it's, it's, it's worth going to check out. Yeah, that's a night I'll certainly never forget. And you know, talk about a scary moment. Kind of reminded me of, you know, when Larry Durker was managing the Astros. Uh, it was in 2001, I believe. And he had an incident in the dugout that uh, looked kind of serious at first. And fortunately, he pulled through. But 
Yeah, Clay Kubiak, definitely a name to keep an eye on. And, you know, you're talking about Bobby Slowick, getting back to the Texans real quick. It, I, I'm so glad that they locked him and Jared Johnson up. But, you know, if the Texans keep doing well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bobby is gone next year. And if that's the case, I believe the guy you need to throw in there as offensive coordinator before he gets away is Gerard Johnson. Yeah, Johnson's a guy that was interviewing at other places and they, they gave him some money. And I don't know if that had anything to do with them staying because he's a quarterback coach. You want to move up. And I think he was interviewing for some OC jobs. Yeah, he was. I think he had a couple of them. And you know, But you still want to try to maintain some of that consistency because he certainly has as much to do with C.J. Stroud's success as Bobby Slowick or anyone else. So, yeah, it was great that they locked those two guys up for this year. And we know about Gerard Johnson. He's going to stay humble because guess what? He played for the humble Wildcats here in Houston. <laughs> That's right. So, local product, another local product. Yeah, another local product. Absolutely. Well, uh, I, I, I'm sort of rooting for the Chiefs. I've got family up there. My mom's from Missouri. And uh, yeah, yeah, I you guess have I'll, Missouri ties. You, you went to Mizzou. So, yeah. And, and just to connect it to the Texans. And if you're a longtime fan of me and the show, you'll know this, but I'm going to a Super Bowl party on Sunday over at my friend Brian Patterson, former Locked On Texans. Oh, I remember Brian. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that too. But uh, hey, uh, keep keep watching, keep listening to us. Don't forget that tomorrow we're going to have a Rockets uh, sort of post NBA trade deadline show. So you're going to want to oh, wow. check that out. Um, but uh, that's all for this one. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.